April 27th, 1977, a group of about 25 to 50 neo-Nazi protesters were planning to demonstrate in Skokie. This is a village where over half the population was Jewish, and there was over 6,000 Holocaust survivors. And this neo-Nazi group was planning to appear at the courthouse in Nazi uniforms and hold banners saying, free speech for white people. So if this isn't a more clear question of free speech in America, I don't know what is. This is Nazis protesting, provoking Jews in a Jewish village. The ACLU decided to represent this group, and the case went before the Supreme Court. The ACLU was, it was very controversial. A lot of people had problems with it. There was debates about whether they should defend the neo-Nazi group and whether you're defending freedom of speech or what's really at stake here. They lost about, about uh, 700 to 1,000 members because of this decision to represent the neo-Nazi group. And what happened was the city made a rule, a law stating you couldn't demonstrate hateful practices in their jurisdiction, in their area. And so the neo-Nazi group appealed and it went up to the courts and all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court eventually held that this protest would be allowed. And it's one of the most gruesome examples of free speech we have in America. And it sparks the debate of what is free speech and why we need to talk about it. Why is this an ongoing debate and why is it so complex? So this is an example of Nazis provoking Jews, a clearly hated evil group that's unanimously seen as negative, as bad. Nobody approves of this demonstration. Yet people are fighting to, for their right to, to say what they want to say. And should this be the case? And this is what I'll be talking about today because this represents an example of what free speech is and what it should be, what it could be, what it was and what it is now. And free speech is different around the world. America's version of free speech is, is very different from other countries. So in this case, the Supreme Court ruled that the public expression of ideas may not be prohibited merely because the ideas are themselves offensive to some of their hearers. So the debate in court was interesting. They first debated that the content of the free speech doesn't matter. It doesn't depend on if people are offended by the, the speech. But certain forms of speech are not allowed in America. And one of those is hate speech. And the Supreme Court dealt with whether the swastika as a symbol constituted hate speech and whether that <clears throat> was enough to ban speech or to, in this case, allow the city to write a law banning speech. And so this decision was surprising and it was a very strong 
indication that America was going to defend speech no matter what, even if it was speech by Nazis. So the ACLU defended this this group, and it really divided the the village. There was a, a community leader, Julian uh, Kulas, who said she was from Eastern Europe. She was affected by the Nazis. This was in 1977, so a lot of the survivors were still living from the Holocaust. She said, quote, To dismiss the appearance of swastikas, brown shirts, and jackboots on American soil, a scant generation after the Holocaust, betrays willful inattention to one of the most tragic episodes in human history. So, clearly there's strong feelings on both sides. Clearly, this is concerning one of the most evil uh, instances, the Holocaust, in recent memory. And it's it's a perfect example, like I said, of what free speech is in America. So to tell that story, I want to start from the beginning with Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a Supreme Court justice from 1902 to 1932. His nickname was the Great Dissenter because he's famous for writing some very famous and powerful dissents to some Supreme Court decisions. So we start with him because this is around the time when freedom of speech uh, started to change in America. Initially, there wasn't much challenge to the First Amendment's freedom of speech. In fact, America looked a lot like, uh, more like China at the time than America of today. There were people arrested and put in prison for their uh, dis- dissension against the government. And there were several cases where the Supreme Court upheld uh, the arrest of certain people who were uh, speaking out against the government. And so Holmes is an important figure in this conversation, in this story, because he's the person who represents what free speech is and this change in free speech to what we know it today. Initially, Holmes was on the side of jailing people for speaking out against the government. So in a famous case, Patterson versus Colorado, there was a newspaper printed uh, material that was condemning a Colorado court decision. And it went, it was appealed and went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And Holmes said this was a local, local law issue. This is not concerning the Constitution. He upheld this arrest, this ban on the content of printed material. He said the Constitution only applies to the national government, not the states. He said it's restricting the government practices. And he believed in local law. So going back a little bit about Holmes's background, he was a soldier. He believed in unity. He believed that united a united country was better off than protecting the free free speech of individuals. So for example, in wartime, he was in favor of the the country being united for the war instead of opposing the war and 
there's there's cases where people were jailed by uh, opposing the war and they were upheld in the Supreme Court. <clears throat> so Holmes was had this opinion and he was influenced throughout his lifetime, throughout his jurisdiction on the Supreme Court. Interestingly enough by Felix Frankfurter, who was a much younger lawyer at the time who influenced Holmes and gave him a more liberal perspective on things. And Felix uh, Frankfurter goes on to be a very, very famous uh, Supreme Court justice in the future. But he was able to have discussions with Holmes about free speech and what it meant. And you notice that there's a, a very big turnaround in Holmes's career. In 1919, the U.S. was involved with, had just gotten out, out of World War I, and there was some opposition to the war. Some, some Russians were condemning the American interference in, in Russian affairs, and they distributed pamphlets, and they were jailed for, for dissenting against the government as before. And this case was appealed and went all the way to the Supreme Court. And in this situation, the the case was upheld. These young men remained in prison. But Alexander, sorry, Oliver Holmes wrote the dissent in this opinion. So he turned his opinion around 180 to defend their right to their speech, as we know it today. So imagine how freedom of speech was turned around, and this all occurred with one justice dissenting and his influence spreading. And another example of his power through words, another reason he's named the Great Dissenter, I want to read you a quote in, in this dissent. It's got some famous elements to it. And if you break down the quote, you can see what we see as freedom of speech today. So Holmes wrote, quote, The ultimate good desired is better reached by free trade in ideas, that the best test of truth is the power of the thought to get itself, to get itself accepted in the competition of the market. And that truth is the only ground upon which their wishes safely can be carried out. So to stop here, this is one of the most famous parts of the quote, where he says, the competition of the market, which gave rise to the phrase, the marketplace of ideas. And this is the concept that any idea should be tested, such as speech, so any freedom of speech should be tested in the marketplace of ideas. So, in, in other words, any form of speech, uh, prohibited or not, uh, evil or not, should is not uh, up for the government to, de to decide. It should be left up to the marketplace of ideas. The, the, the fact that if, if speech were good, it would be uh, tested against time. And that the government was not the regulator of this. The government was not in charge of this. It was open to the free market. A very sort of liberal idea decentralizing the idea or the, the concept that the government should regulate the speech. 
So his quote goes on to say, That, at any rate, is the theory of the Constitution. It is an experiment, as all life is an experiment. Every year, if not every day, we have to wager our salvation upon some prophecy based on imperfect knowledge. And this is my part of the my favorite part of the quote. So, when he's considering the Constitution, he's referring to it as an experiment, which is an interesting perspective on the Constitution, because we see it as very historic, formal words, and almost set in stone. But he's acknowledging that the Constitution is an experiment, as America is an experiment, in the, the new age of, of Western society, of what a country and a government should be, and what role that government should play. And he's not acknowledging that any form of speech is allowed, or or should be allowed. He's, he's just acknowledging that the, the market should dictate that, and that the Constitution is just our best attempt at, at dictating that. And it's an interesting way to look at speech as well, that speech is just an experiment, and our, or rather, how we look at speech is an experiment that needs to evolve over time. So, in the early stages, we were, we saw speech as something dangerous, something the government had to protect, and that idea fell out of favor. And that idea is now different in America, where we are protecting the speech no matter what. So, going on this idea, I want to reflect on speech today in America. Obviously, everyone's familiar with how we protect speech. Just like in this case with neo-Nazis, we protect speech at all costs. But it's not the same way around the world. And you might think I'm referring to China or Russia, where a lot of speech is limited and censored. But if you just look over the seas to Germany, I was a study abroad student in Germany for a year. So I got an interesting perspective on their outlook of free speech and how it impacts this uh, conversation that we're having about free speech. So in Germany and in many modern European countries, they prevent extremism, such as neo-Nazis marching on Jewish villages. It, It seems very obvious in that perspective, but... There's another vein of thought, an American perspective that says, why would you restrict any speech, even evil speech? And if you sort of narrow down into the differences, so Germany obviously has a wicked past with the Holocaust, and so they ban Holocaust deniers. It's illegal for you to publicly deny the Holocaust. And looking into this difference, you look at, you, you notice that Europeans value the democratic collective and the capacity of everyone to participate in it. So, this is a, a, a quote I found. So, Europeans are defending the community uh, peace and the community's right for everyone to participate in it. So, in this case, as the Nazis are uh, speaking hate, against Jews in Europe, they would defend the Jews' right for to participation 
in that in the community in society. But Americans' outlook is a classical liberal right to individual freedom of expression, even if that speech limits the rights of others. So Americans are viewing this same debate as no matter what, we are protecting speech at all costs, even if that speech is limiting the rights of others. So we, we think of Americans as uh, in defense of, of human rights and, and the rights of everyone. But in fact, if America is going to allow Nazis to speak against Jews in Jewish village, that's not really defending the rights of the Jews. It's defending the rights of speech above the rights of Jews in this case. So it, it brings an interesting conversation about what it should be, what freedom of speech should be today. And you can argue that America's view on free speech and, and Holmes's is view, what Holmes um, argued to, to bring to us today as Americans is, is outdated. You can argue that America's version of free speech is outdated. Because when you look at this case of neo-Nazis protesting against Jews, that a lot of people argue that shouldn't be allowed, that that's obviously wrong speech. So there has to be a way to prevent that. And you can look at arguments that maybe we are transformed as a people and as a society, that we don't need free speech, we don't need to defend free speech as we do anymore. Maybe we are at a point where the people have enough rights and enough power, and maybe we're at a, a point in time where the Holocaust would never happen again. Maybe we're at an enlightened point in time where we can, we can say we don't have to defend any speech at all just because it's speech. We can fight back against hate speech. We have the the freedom of expression and we have the, the rights to recognize what hate speech is and what is generally accepted as hate speech in order to protect marginalized groups the same way that, that Europe is doing, the same way Germany is doing. So if we really want to protect these, these Jews and Holocaust survivors and their um, you know, right, right to not experience the Holocaust and, and Nazis again, then we would have to ban that speech. But at the end of the day, I think if we look back on what Holmes was saying, it doesn't matter what is right or what anybody's opinion is because what Holmes's example represents is we should constantly evaluate what we see as free speech. We should constantly question why do we protect speech at all costs? What does that mean? Who does that hurt? And how we can do better? And if, as an American, I was living in an American bubble for most of my life. And until you get out of that bubble, you don't realize there are other forms of free speech. There are other f reflections on what free speech should be. And the point of what Holmes was saying was, this is an experiment. We have to experiment and see what free speech should be and where we can go with this in the future. So at the end of the day, this is just a 
challenge mm -hmm. to everyone to reflect on what their opinions are about free speech and what speech really should be and at what expense is free speech coming and not necessarily to change anyone's opinion but you should be able to defend your opinion just like in a marketplace of ideas on what free speech is and, and what it should be.